Earlier last week, a story came out of Dothan, Alabama. It concerns a woman, Casey Roberts, who, in the face of economic hardship, was forced to choose between paying insurance premiums or taking her son out of college. I wanted my son to have a better life than I had, she said. So what do you do as a parent? You sacrifice. But then, in May 2016, she was struck with a severe abdominal pain. Her husband rushed her to Dothan's Flowers Hospital, and the doctors there said she needed an emergency appendectomy. When the doctor's bill came, it totaled $3,000. But then came the bill from the hospital. Fifty-two grand. But given that Casey couldn't afford insurance, they discounted it. To 31000 the price of a house in southern Alabama. She and her husband paid the hospital $25 a month for three years, which didn't satisfy Flowers Hospital. In September 2019, they sued the Roberts family for $37,000, more than the initial bill. Three years of payments hadn't even put a dent in it. Robert said that she wished her family had just let her die. This is Hidden History, and I'm your host, Ellis Tucci. Today, I'm going to be talking about Medicare for All and the American healthcare system. I would probably say that this episode may not be suitable for younger audiences, but everyone should know about this. You're listening to episode 62, Blood Money. This episode is a little different from my usual format because I'm not going to go in-depth into the history of the U.S. healthcare system. Rather, I'm going to talk about the state of American healthcare and Medicare for All as the only morally correct choice that we can make about it. Now, you can say what you want about the way that I've analyzed various topics on this show, but in history has always been on the morally correct side of each issue. Healthcare is such a critical topic that I can't afford to shroud my criticism of the American system in an allegorical story and let you draw your own interpretations. That is something I tend to do on here. I've just got to be blunt with it. For-profit healthcare is immoral, and until we have a universalized healthcare system that is free at point of access, the most vulnerable people in the country will die as a result of healthcare policy. Bad policy kills people. Time for another quick little story. In 2008, a woman named Alina Hansen was attacked by a black bear on an isolated mountainside in Southern California. She essentially had her entire face ripped off, had to hike four miles to get out of a canyon, and then drive herself all the way to a local fire station to get help. In 2014, she did a Reddit AMA, and someone asked her about what the worst part of the experience was. You know what she said? Blue Cross hands down. You see, her insurance 
only covered 20% of what she needed to stay alive. And as a result, she's going to be paying off those bills for the rest of her life. Here's another one. On the morning of June 27th, 2017, a 26-year-old man named Alec Rayshawn Smith was found dead in his apartment. He had aged out of his parents' insurance and could no longer afford insulin. He had to ration what he had and died because of it. When insulin was first invented in 1923, it sold for a single dollar a vial. It's estimated that manufacturing a single vial costs between $2.20 and $3.40. In the United States, a single vial of insulin costs $450. Here, here's another one. In February 2017, a man named Shane Patrick Boyle had to start a GoFundMe for a single month of insulin. A few weeks later, he died of diabetic ketoacidosis. His campaign was $50 short. According to Rob Solomon, the CEO of GoFundMe, approximately a third of all campaigns on the site are for medical bills. Our healthcare system is forcing people to go online and beg for their lives, to put their fate in the hands of strangers who themselves may be unable to contribute anything at all. In this way of a for-profit healthcare system robs people of not only their well-being, but also their dignity. A Gallup poll released in December of 2019 stated that a full third of American families couldn't afford care, and that one in four people said that they deferred seeking treatment for a serious illness because they knew they couldn't afford it. Here's another story for you. This past January, in North Philadelphia, a man walked into a pharmacy acting like he was going to buy something, and then handed the cashier a note. Give me all the money. I'm sorry, I have a sick child. You have 15 seconds. In June 2019, Glenn Douglas Maurer, a 65-year-old man, was arrested in Utah. He had robbed a bank because he couldn't afford his medication. In June 2011, James Verone, 59, robbed North Carolina Bank of a single dollar so that he could get health care in prison. In November 2018, a 60-year-old woman, Hedda Martin, suffered severe cardiac damage as a result of chemotherapy for breast cancer. Doctors told her she needed a heart transplant, but when she applied for one, she was denied, saying that she needed a, quote, more secure financial plan. They told her she needed to raise $10,000. The only reason that she is still alive is because local media brought attention to her GoFundMe and allowed her to raise the money that she needed. Hedda Martin is only alive because she had to beg strangers for her life. But for every case like hers, for every person that survive, how many die? It turns out in the United States, it's more than 60,000 people a year who die from lack of insurance. Here's another story for you, but I can't be the one to tell it.
my name is Scott Denoyer, and um, I've become a healthcare activist since I lost my son back in April of 2019. Um, what happened was is he had moved in with me in like mid March. You know, now he was on risperidone, which is an antipsychotic. Um, he had mild psychosis, and the medication was working fairly well for him. Risperidone is an atypical antipsychotic with the known suicidal risk from withdrawals. And he was on Fidelis Care, which um, is part of the ACA through Managed Medicaid Program. Now, he come home one day, and he's like, Pops, I want to get my medicine refilled today. And I found out that my insurance had been canceled. I'm like, Danny, you know, don't worry about it. You know, how much is it? He tells me it's $250. Now, this is the problem because we don't have $250 laying around. Yeah. It's like, you know, like, Danny, you know, you have an appointment with your therapist in a couple of weeks. I'm sure she can help you out. We'll try to come up with the money. But in the meantime, you should call Fidelis and find out what happened. So he called around April 2nd or 1st, somewhere right after the 1st of April and found out that he had missed a $20 payment to his managed Medicaid program. Now, Fidelis is owned by Centene, which is a mass conglomerate that made $60.1 billion in 2018 and had a 24% growth because of adding managed Medicaid. They knew that there were suicidal risks attached to withdrawals with this medication. They canceled his insurance over $20 anyway. When he called, he paid that $20 on the phone. He, they said that his medication would be re, or his services would be restored on the next billing cycle of May 1st. On April 9th, I saw a suicide note on Facebook. I saw it seconds after he posted it. I saw it and I shouted out to my wife what was going on. Seconds after he posted it, I see this on my Facebook. I just want everyone to know that I love them. And saying goodbye, this world wasn't meant for me. Maybe the next life will be better. I superglued my seatbelt, double-checked I don't have the strength to open it, and I choose death by drowning because I can't get above this pain. I'm sorry for hurting those who care. This is selfish, I'm sure, but I've been staring at the water for hours, and now I've made my, de my decision. Daniel and Hazel, I'm so fucking sorry. He posted that with the view of him looking out of the cab of his truck, overlooking the water. Being that I live five minutes from Saratoga Lake, I thought that's where he was. I jumped in my car and raced down to the lake to try to save him. He was actually at the Mohawk River. This is insane that a corporation making that much money to provide manage Medicaid to the poorest and sickest people among us is denying care, knowing, knowing that this will be the result in some cases. There's actually a boardroom somewhere with a black line next to the term churning. Churning is an insurance term for when people go on and off their plans, much like Danny did. There's also an amount of life loss that they know is a, is a result because they have to figure in all the lawsuits that are going to come from this and pay for those lawsuits. This is all marketing. This should not be a healthcare system 
where things like this are going on in boardrooms. It's a death sentence. It is a death sentence because that's exactly what's going on. I don't have a lawsuit going against them, although in Iowa, Centene is being sued by managed Medicaid patients for the same exact sort of treatment. I don't have a lawsuit. I want to end the entire system. So what was what was dealing with uh, Fidelis like after this whole ordeal? Nothing. <laughs> there was one automated response that went on my viral feed that where they said that they didn't even apologize. I, I think it, they didn't even say that they were sorry for my loss or anything, but just that I should direct message them my private number that they'd be happy to give me a call. They started off with good morning and then said they'd be happy to give me a call. This is one week after Danny died to the day, one week that they had this auto-generated message on my Twitter. That's the only thing. I've had politicians reach out to them. They've heard of Danny's story. They know who Danny is now. They've been reached out by The Independent. Um, they've been reached out by Now This Media. They've been reached out by uh, Representative Rokana uh, <laughs> and several others. They know who Danny is, but nothing to us, <laughs> which is good because I also responded to their Twitter saying that there will be no communication from me, that I plan on getting everybody behind me and ending their corporation. So the um, the vast majority of American families, they, they can't afford uh, a $400 emergency medical expense. And so there are tens of thousands of of families out there right now that are that are in the same kind of situation do you have anything that that you would like to say to someone that might be going through the same type of the same type of process most importantly vote God, we have to vote when i say you've got to vote like your kids lives depend on it you have to vote like your kids' lives depend on it, because it does. We can't just be okay with meeting in the middle. You know, the ACA, everybody praises about how great it was. And at the time, it was great. It got a lot of people coverage. But coverage is not health care. You know, meeting in the middle saying, well, we have to allow these monsters to survive. They're going to continue to push laws. They're going to continue to buy our politicians. We need to stop this insanity. When 32 out of 33 countries can figure it out and we pay twice as much and die sooner, we need to change this. We need to start thinking about us, not the politicians and not the corporations. This is a life and death thing. This is no longer about you know how far left are we. Can we do this because the people making money aren't going to be comfortable with it. You know what? I'm not comfortable with the people making money killing our children. So be, because of all of this, you've become a really strong advocate for Bernie Sanders' Medicare for All policy. Could you maybe talk a little bit about how Medicare for All would have, would have changed the way that this situation happened? Not not just Danny's too. I might remind you, 
New Yale study shows that up to 68,000 Americans a year are lost due to not enough health insurance. Now, they did, that's even going conservatively because they didn't factor in people that are underinsured, meaning people that have an insurance with such a high deductible that they put off treatment to get, and therefore they die prematurely because of that. So 68,000 a year are we're losing because of this system. Now, what happened with me, I got involved with Bernie Sanders back in 2016, and that's because I have poor health. And I went through hell trying to get a pacemaker put in. And uh, long story short, when I feel the DNC rigged the system against Bernie, and I will say they cheated him, I get disappointed and vowed that I'm not going to get involved in politics. That was the first year I ever voted was in 2016. I was at age 47 registering for the first time. I got out in my phone bank form. I, you know, shared a bunch of memes. I talked to everybody I could think of. I got people to register to vote for the first time. <laughs> but I got disappointed and vowed I wasn't going to get that involved anymore. When this happened, I realized that this system destroyed my son over $20. I can't be quiet anymore. I've run from everything in my entire life. <laughs> I will not run for my children. These are my kids. If I don't stand up for them, what good am I? So with Bernie Sanders' Medicare for All plan, first off, not only does it include 100% of your payments, it also includes your eyes, ears, and dental. Not only that, it also puts a $200 cap on all medicine. In other words, after you pay $200, you've got nothing to pay for the rest of your medicine, and you still get it. Danny's Risperidone that was $250 out of pocket costs $35 in Canada. That's insane. Danny paid $20 on the phone. We would have came up with the other $15 if that's what it was, you know? Yeah. I I heard about this one, one girl. She has a autoimmune disease, and she was being treated for it. She was receiving her own private, no, corporate-controlled insurance, and she became pregnant. She Her daughter had the disease genetically transferred to her. This mother thinks to herself, I just gave my daughter this disease. I gave it to her. Now, at the time, she couldn't be, her daughter wouldn't be treated because it was a pre-existing condition. She's treating herself for this disease, can't treat her daughter, that, the disease that she gave her. Abby died at the age of two. There was no legal recourse for this. What they did was legal. What they did to Danny was legal. He didn't make his payment. You get your plan cut off. We need to change and put people over these profits. As of February 2020, 31% of Americans have medical debt. 28% of Americans owe more than $10,000, and half of the debt holders have defaulted. It's bankrupted them. 500,000 people will go bankrupt this year trying to pay for health care. In 2016, Americans spent $3.3 trillion on medical care. 
That's $10,348 per person. Do you feel like you got your money's worth? As we enter further into the Democratic primary season with South Carolina tomorrow and Super Tuesday right around the corner, I want you to remember that healthcare is an issue that intersects with everything else. Healthcare accessibility is a race issue, it's an economic issue, it's an age issue, it's a gender issue, it's a gay and a lesbian and a trans issue, it's a mental issue, and it is a moral issue. And when you go to check a box on that ballot, remember that there is only one person who is fighting to fundamentally change the American healthcare system. There is only one person who is fighting to make sure that cases like Shane Patrick Boyle and Hedda Martin and Daniel DeNoyers never happen to anyone ever again. His name is Bernie Sanders, and we've got to fight for him as much as he's fighting for us. So text and phone bank and donate, volunteer, knock on doors, and talk to your friends, because together, a better world is possible. Thanks for listening. This is Ellis Tucci at Hidden History. Signing off.